Well, over the past few weeks, the Gospel of Luke has revealed to us the nature of Jesus' redemptive mission. He has come to embody and to fulfill all that God had called the nation of Israel to be and to do. He has come to roll back the curse of sin and death with a, with a total redemption, spiritual and physical, heavenly and earthly, soul and body. So that is what Jesus has come to do, and now it's time for him to begin assembling the team of people who are going to help him do it. Here in Luke chapter 5, Jesus calls his first disciples, and in the process, he's going to give us a very important object lesson. In 1 Kings chapter 19, the prophet Elijah calls the prophet Elisha to be his disciple. When the narrative first introduces Elisha, he's plowing a field with 12 yoke of oxen. That's the number of the 12 tribes of Israel. Elisha is preparing the land for the planting of seeds. Elisha is preparing the land for fruitfulness and for harvest. And when Elijah calls Elisha to follow him, Elisha leaves everything in order to follow his new master. And as we'll see, this is very similar to the story here in Luke chapter 5. Verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. So Jesus is more than likely on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee here, okay? And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. The Gospel of Luke repeatedly shows Jesus finding opportunities to get away from the crowds to pray. But the crowds keep finding him. They are eager to hear the word of God. They are desperate for the word of God, and they are pressing in on him to such a degree that he's finding it difficult even to address them. And so Jesus hops into a boat owned by Peter, and they push away from the shore a bit. And from that place on the water, Jesus begins to teach. Now, aside from creating distance from the crowd, there's, a, there's another practical reason for teaching from a boat. Water amplifies sound. And I could go into the science of that, but most of us probably know it from experience. When we speak across a body of water, our voice carries. But I think there's another deeper meaning to all of this. I think Jesus is presenting us with an object lesson. First of all, it's worth noting that Luke doesn't actually tell us anything about the content of Jesus' teaching. We have no idea what he said to this crowd. It seems as though Luke is really only interested in the context of Jesus' teaching. And this indicates that there must be something for us to learn from his actions here. It's not just about hearing what he's saying, it's about seeing what he's doing. Let's think big picture about the Bible for a moment. Prior to Jesus, prior to Jesus, the biblical narrative is dominated by shepherds and sheep and land. But when Jesus enters the narrative, we stop hearing so much about the land. The biblical narrative becomes dominated by fishermen and fish and bodies of water. So we, we see a shift in the Bible from shepherds, sheep, and land to fishermen, fish, and water. None of Israel's leaders were fishermen. 
and none of Jesus' disciples were shepherds. What's going on here? Well, in the Old Testament, Israel's life was inextricably tied to the land. They depended upon the land for peace and prosperity, and and to a degree, uh, they depended upon the land for faithfulness to the covenant with God. All of the animals sacrificed in worship were land animals. The sea, on the other hand, was associated with evil and danger, and in particular, it was associated with the Gentile nations, the non-Jewish nations. And so, boats are very rare in the Old Testament. There's Noah, but to my knowledge, the story of Jonah is the only other story that even mentions a boat. So the prominence of fishermen and fish and water in the Gospel of Luke suggests a change to the nature of Israel's mission, a change to the way in which the people of God would engage the rest of the world. With the coming of Jesus, the people of God are no longer inextricably tied to the land. The mission of God is no longer to dwell in the land as the nations come and visit the temple. The mission of God is now to leave the safety and familiarity of the land in order to travel into the sea of Gentile nations. The mission of God is now a call to build the temple everywhere. And this new mission is going to require the use of boats. And so we see a lot of boats in the book of Acts, which was also written by Luke. So picture this scene. Jesus is teaching from a boat, and the crowd is standing on the shore, facing the sea. All right? And from their standpoint, the crowd would have been able to see foreign territory on the opposite shore. This is not a very big sea. They could actually look beyond Jesus across the water to see these Gentile nations. Verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So the object lesson continues. These fishermen have been working all night with nothing to show for it, with nothing to show for their toil. But now they catch so many fish that their nets are breaking and their boats are sinking. And so the object lesson is this. There is a great catch waiting to be had from among the sea of Gentile nations. This raises an important question, though. And this was very relevant for the early church. This, this, this question was at the heart of so many early Christian debates. And the question is this, will the people of God sink beneath the weight of this new mission? Will the church actually be able to survive this massive influx of Gentiles? Are the nets going to break? And I want to answer that question in a moment, but first let's, let's look at Peter's reaction. Peter appears to understand the object lesson. He knows that Jesus is talking about more than just fishing. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Why does Peter respond in this way? We know from chapter 4 that Peter had already witnessed Jesus performing miracles. Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law in his home. And so Peter knew what Jesus was capable of. And so the, the miracle of the fish in and of itself is not the astonishing part. So again, why does Peter respond this way? Well, as far as I can tell, the only explanation is that Peter understood this object lesson. And he understood that Jesus was calling him to the work. And so Peter is like the prophet Elisha. Both men were called to discipleship while they were working their everyday jobs. But whereas Elisha is plowing a field like a typical Old Testament leader, Peter is fishing like a typical New Testament leader. One is working the land, the other is working the sea. But Peter says, not me, Lord. You've got the wrong guy. I am a sinful man. My boat's going to sink. My nets are going to break. Find somebody else. And Jesus said to Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Do not be afraid is the most consistent command of God in the Bible. But Jesus is not saying that Peter is wrong to be afraid. He's simply saying that Peter doesn't need to be afraid. Take heart. Be courageous. Yes, the task ahead is daunting. But God is with you. God is literally in the same boat. Jesus says to Peter, I will be with you the whole time. Yes, the sea is dark and deep and dangerous, but as you will see, I walk upon the waves. The storm obeys my voice. I am in control, Peter. Do not be afraid. And perhaps unsurprisingly, several years later, Peter would go on to write the letter of 1 Peter, in which he compares the church to a boat. And more specifically, he compares the church to Noah's Ark. Like Noah's Ark, Christians are baptized into the Ark of the church and brought safely through the waters of judgment. For 2,000 years, the church has been tossed to and fro on a raging sea of nations. We are fishing for men and women and children with a wide net. And all who acknowledge their need for rescue are brought through the waters of judgment and into the safety and care of the church. So, so back to that question. Will our nets break? Is the boat going to sink? Will the weight of all these nations be too great for the church to handle? If you have a Bible, um, turn with me to, gos- to the Gospel of John chapter 21. Gospel of John, chapter 21. This is following the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And the disciples have returned to the Sea of Galilee, probably the same place, and they begin to fish again. This is yet another story featuring Jesus, his disciples, boats, nets, fish, and the Sea of Galilee. All right? 
John chapter 21, verse 3. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Sounds familiar. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Or in other words, seafood and land food. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. The new mission of God is now underway. The crucified king has risen from the grave, and there is a great catch to be had from among the Sea of Nations. And so long as the disciples of Jesus listen to the voice of Jesus and obey the voice of Jesus, their work will be overwhelmingly fruitful. Jesus is sending his disciples, including you, including me, to be fishers of men. We're not just individual Christians dropping a line and waiting for a nibble. We are a team of fishermen like Peter, James, and John pulling a large net across the world, a wide net hauling the nations through the waters of baptism and into the safety and care of the church. And in answer to the question about breaking nets and sinking boats, the gospel of John actually answers the gospel of Luke in saying that although there were so many fish, the net was not torn. Our nets, though they hold all the nations, are not going to break. This boat is not going to sink. It cannot sink because the Lord is in it with us. And so twice in Luke chapter 5, Peter protests against Jesus. He protests against him. And twice in Luke chapter 5, Peter obeys him anyway. The text does not say that Peter was no longer afraid. The text simply says that he was obeying the voice of his master, no matter what. And so we should face our fears and anxieties. We should stare down our fears and anxieties and, and then hear the voice of our master and choose to obey. That's what following in faith means. Step into the water. Step onto the boat. Grab a net. Join the mission. Share the gospel with that coworker. Strike up that conversation with your next door neighbor. Step boldly into greater responsibility within the church because Jesus is in the boat with you and you do not need to be afraid. Pray with me.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love and care you have shown to us. For not just setting the world in motion and then leaving us to it. You, you are in control. You are presently in control. And as a result, we don't need to be afraid. Jesus, we want to follow you wherever you lead. Teach us, disciple us in how to live and, and how to fish for men in this time and, and this place, this, the time and place you've allotted for us. Holy Spirit, we trust you to, to hold, it our, hold it all together, to keep us afloat, to keep our nets from breaking. It's not just the church that's in your hands, but our church, this congregation, these people are in your hands, and we trust you to make us fruitful. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.